Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Inspired by the presence of Captain Jack Youngblood, playing in pain with his broken leg. A savage Ram defense. They hand it to Steven. Great jump cut. 45 seconds. a whole burst to it. 20. Right steps a tackle. Runs left. 25 still in his feet. 46 yard goal by number 39. Running back, number 29, Eric Dickerson. Johnny Hecker, high school quarterback, is going to throw. The fake is on it. He's got a first down to Stephen Bailey. Mike Jones made the tackle. And the Rams have won the Super Bowl. Super Bowl. Rams Talk Radio with Derek C. Apollo and Michael Stewart. Welcome to Rams Talk Radio. This is Derek C. Apollo, the co-host, my partner in crime, former Los Angeles Rams defensive back Michael Stewart. Tough day, tough game to watch. Rams lose at Green Bay 32-18. Their season is over. In a long off seasons ahead, Mike, how you doing? Yeah, man, I totally agree. Uh, heading into a great three day weekend, and then it's kind of hit a snag already. But uh, I'm sure we'll talk about a lot of things. But uh, tough, tough day for the for the Los Angeles Rams. But I think we knew that going into Green Bay. It looked like it started to snow out there and a bunch of other things. But man, looking forward to getting into it. Uh, I think overall it still was a, a decent season, but nowhere near uh, the goal of getting back to the Super Bowl of what obviously everyone was desiring. We're all desiring for it. We're all hoping for it. If, to me, the team overall, considering where we thought they were going to be, I mean, we saw ranges, people predicting ranging from seven to nine, the 10 and six. They got the 10 and six, they got a playoff win. I'm I'm cool with that. Like I'm I'm okay with that. I'm like I want more. The bar is higher now, Mike. The bar is much higher than it was four years ago. But 
considering the fact they had to make over the roster some, considering a new staff that came in, letting a whole new group of guys, they might even lose Brandon Staley already, we'll find out. I can accept it. And the biggest thing I can accept in my view is Green Bay was the better team. It's not like anything was robbed from the Rams. It wasn't like they had anything stripped away and they were they were had something taken from them. They just played a better team today. There were other factors. Aaron Donald not being 100%. Cooper Cup not in the game. Uh, but Green Bay is peaking at the right time, and they they won. They they were better. Oh, there's no doubt. There's no doubt. I mean, uh, Aaron Rodgers and the Packers seem to be hitting their stride. There were some question uh, marks going in. You know, could their defense somewhat stay with the Ram offense? And obviously they came to play today. But, you know, I've said it many times before, going to play in Green Bay at this time of year, it's, it's just at the end of the day, it's, it's a mental thing as well. Uh, guys weren't too much having bad footing, things like that. But uh, you're playing just in a whole different element when you st start getting down to those temperatures that are typically in Green Bay at this time of the year. And you just can't acclimate yourself quick enough. You can go out there with all the mental toughness and whatever you want to call it. But at the end of the day, when you're playing in those types of situation, it was not unlike being in Miami, uh, man, our first four games at home, you know, when you're out there playing at that time, one and two o'clock game, you're used to practicing that heat and humidity. It just was an advantage. You know, other teams will wear down. I think that's a lot that has to do with Green Bay. Uh, again, tip their hat off. They were hitting. They're starting to hit more of a stride team wise. And when you can do that, this is a game. I think we had a chance early. Uh, we had to kick a field goal. Uh, and obviously we'll talk about that. I, I just can't figure out how we have to call so many timeouts. It just is, it blows my mind. One thing I'd say about that though, is, you know, calling timeouts fine, but in the end, I don't even think that's what cost them. This, this team just outplayed them. No I, doubt. I hate to say that they just outplayed them. And now what, what, how do you, how do you get this team better for next year when COVID messed up this season for a lot of people, but it's going to mess up next season for everybody. Unless well, you were a team that was already going on the cheap. So the Rams have a big, <laughs> the Rams have a big, big wall to climb, um, a big barrier to get through for next year. Well, I, I think one advantage going into to next year for everyone, for the exception of where your cap may be, is the fact that you've now been through something. Okay. The first time through, Everybody's looking like, you know, it's like baking a cake from scratch the first time. You're like trying to double check the, the ingredients and the temp. And then you're trying to take notes to make sure like, hey, when I kick, cook this the next time, you know, let's see how it goes. If it doesn't come out that well, you're able to make adjustments. So I think the fact that the teams have been through environment of COVID and what it takes, obviously teams are going to make adjustments this offseason on how they can get together and do things whether they say you know what we'll get together with five people at the facility in groups of five if we have to you know i'm looking at the nba now not playing in the bubble but because they were able to play in the bubble last year and went through all those things even though it's still not a hundred percent uh capping people getting covid and having to be out they have a lot better 
uh, way that they're going about it and attacking things. So I think that should work to team's advantage next year. Uh, but to your point, I think ours is going to be a little more difficult because, again, you're going to have to make decision on players and truly we're going to be affected by the cap. We're going to be affected hard. And we'll, and we'll get to that towards the end of the show. And we're going to break it down more and more as we get into the offseason. We'll start just we'll start this week because even in today's presser, we're seeing uh, some some commitments, so, some issues already with, with Jared Goff. And so, you know, we'll, we'll see. There's already comments being made from players like Andrew Whitworth as to what they're looking at going into next year. So uh, we'll see. The big thing is the Rams are done for now. They're done. And what that means for next year is, well, nothing. They start with their brand new slate that's wiped, wiped clean. And unfortunately, the slate's not wiped 100% clean because the salary cap is now going to be a problem. All right, so let's get into the numbers here. Before we do, i got to do this now because I will forget. You know I'll forget. I want to talk about our sponsors, MyBookie. Too much of anything is bad, but too much sports is barely enough. With that in mind, say hello to the new year from an expanded NFL playoffs, the BCS championship game, to return to the NBA, the NHL. This is truly a great month to be a sports fan. So I always tell people to head on over to MyBookie if they want to add a little excitement to the sports they love and the games they bet. We here at Rams Talk Radio don't use MyBookie because some corporate overlord told us to. We use them because they are the best. They'll hook you up with a 50% discount bonus up to 1000 bucks when you sign up, and they'll keep the good times rolling giveaways, free bets, and huge contests all year long. It's simple. Sign up, enter the promo code RAMSTALK, and get your deposit matched halfway up to 1000 bucks. Here to MyBookie today and start off the year 2021 on the right foot. This year, bet with the best. MyBookie. And finally, also, we here at Blue Wire have a program as well we want to quickly tell you about, and that is Blue Wire Hustle. It's a brand new program where you can host your very own podcast here at Blue Wire. Hustle is created to give everyone the opportunity to take your podcast to the very next level. And if you want to host a podcast and just don't know where to start, Hustle is the perfect place for you. As a part of our program, you'll receive personal cover art, Q&As with Blue, with Blue Wire's top podcasters, access to the community discord, and an e-learning course full of tips and tricks. And they got lots of them, lots of tricks. On top of that, we'll help get your show pushed out to Apple, Spotify, Google, Stitcher, all those places. And the best part is it's only 15 bucks a month. Same rate as any other hosting site would charge you, just the initial setup. And also I can tell you this, we recently got our logo redone. I got to tell you, it's looking good. It's looking good. Mike hasn't seen it yet. He's about to, but he'll Let's like it, go. I promise. So whether you're starting from scratch or have a new existing show that you want to grow, Hustle's an open door to leveling up your sports experience. Acceptance into the program is limited. Apply at bwhustle.com forward slash join and check out our description box for the episode to find out more. That's bwhustle.com slash join. All right, getting into it. Here we go. The numbers. And the numbers, I think, tell a pretty story, Mike. We, there's no, there's no way around the numbers here. First downs, Rams 17, Packers 28. Net yards passing, 148 for the Rams, 296 for the Packers. 21-27 for passes, uh, passing 23-36 for the Packers, 8.2 yards per pass. Rams didn't go downfield really at all. Jared Goff was sacked four times. 
Let's see here. Third down efficiency, two of eight for the Rams. Eight of 12 for the Packers. Total yards, 484 for the Packers, 244 for the Rams. 72 total plays to 50. 188 yards rushing by the Packers, 96 for the Rams. Rams ran the ball well. I put one yards for carry. Sit run enough. Here's the killer, the big killer. 36 minutes time of position for the Packers, 23-48 for the Rams. Yep. Man, man, that's just the team numbers. Individual numbers, boy, I mean, I don't even want to talk about them. Jared Goff <laughs> at 174 yards passing, sacked four times, 18 carries for 90 yards for Cam Makers. Good day for him. Yeah. Josh Reynolds, three catches for 65 yards. It might be his last game as a Ram. We'll see. Uh, eight catches for 48 for Robert Woods. His longest was 19. Van Jefferson, two catches for 46. And pretty much everybody else had one or two catches. Man, here we go. Aaron Rodgers, 296 for two touchdowns. Had a pretty good day. Overall, though, was the running game for the Packers. It really just kind of was the dagger. 14 carries for 99 yards for Aaron Jones. 12 carries for 65 yards for Jamal Williams. A.J. Dillon, 6 carries for 27 yards. Yeah, Al Lazard with 4 catches for 96 yards for the touchdown. That big one, that was the real dagger right there. 58-yard bomb to him. Devontae Adams, 9 catches for 66 yards. Robert Tunyon, tight end, 4 catches for 60 yards. Tackles, 8 tackles for Michael Brockers. 9 for John Johnson. Here's the big one, no sacks. Troy Reader, 16, sorry, uh, 13 tackles. I'm not sure you want Troy Reader making 13 tackles in a game, right. to be honest with you. Um, on the other side, Kenny Clark, one and a half sacks. Zadarius Smith, one sack. Rashawn Gary, one and a half sacks. Um, I, you know, there's the numbers. Mike, break it down for us, man. Yeah, I mean, when you have time of possession against, again, a guy like Aaron Rodgers, you know, when you get into the playoffs, you're looking for just overall leadership and command of the situation. When you look at Aaron Rodgers, uh, and it's funny because he really has this kind of gruffy, grim look, uh, but today he was doing a lot of smiling, kind of laughing, but that showed me that he's a guy that like, man, I'm on top of my game right now. And I just know we, we, we're going to do it today. But you saw him just methodically just kind of chip away, chip away, you know, dink and dunk when he needed to go over the top when he had to. But when you have that much uh, of an edge in the time of possession, it's going to be tough unless your defense is getting a bunch of turnovers and things like that. Uh but this was a game that offensively we had to literally play a uh, mistake free, if you will, and capitalize on every single situation possible. Uh, same defensively got to get out on those third downs, but man, uh, Aaron and, and the pack were able to, to sustain some drives early on in the game, but you know, the young coach did a great job at halftime adjustments were made and, you know, things got shut down a lot the second half, but it was, as they say, a little bit, uh, too late. Too late. I, I don't really have a whole lot of criticism for the Rams, honestly. This is going to be, this might be boring for some people to listen to, because I'm sure they want to hear is hammer the Rams for this, this, and this. And might just watch the game. Green Bay was just better today. 
mean, well, they, yeah, yeah. I they've mean, been the better team all year, but they were better today. The Rams, I think, have the ability to beat them. Oh, yeah, but that's what team. I'm saying. You, you have to almost play a mistake-free game. But again, mm -hmm. they're going to go back and look at the tape, and they're going to see especially certain plays that probably shouldn't have been made. But again, it, it's a breakdown of fundamental football. And people want to be all exotic and you got to have all these different blitzing schemes and offensive plays and trickery. But when you go back and you kind of break down uh, what I saw, it's just simple breakdowns. The one touchdown Devontae Adams has, everybody knows when you're playing man on the goal line, at your man. So they come in motion, Jalen Rams, and he's locked down like he was just. And when the guy took off back across the field, he's running. And then he almost looked like he wanted to bump out is what we call it. That means the corner or the outside guy on the side that the motion is coming to, he bumps out, takes the motion. The guy coming along in motion takes the inside guy. Mm -hmm. But initially it looked like inside guy was locked on his man and then he was indecisive. It looked like he was coming off his guy to bump out. And he kind of hesitated and made Jalen hesitate. And that's why he was kind of jumping up all frantic. But they just didn't communicate. But typically in something like that, the guy coming in motion with the guy in motion, that's your guy. So Jalen should have been all over that. But again, you could tell when you're saying Green Bay just was a better team. That was something that they probably hadn't seen in a while down on the goal line. And you just didn't have that much time to react. And Aaron Rodgers got that ball to him so quick. It was no, no way to even react to it. So it was kind of that play. Obviously, the big, big run coming out of halftime. You know, you have a guy basically in the hole. And then he breaks it off for, you know, what was that? A 60-yard run, I guess. Uh, that was another big play. The other big play that, again, basic football, they had simple play action. The corner easily has the outside deep third and for whatever reason he was going to come up and get in the run game when you're a corner with the outside deep third you have to stay back you you're deep as the deepest so play action no play action you know when you have a third whether it's zone or man you don't let that receiver get on top of you so he's all in the backfield with his eyes oh play action and then you know it's a big play for a touchdown so it's little things like that that even though it looks like the Green Bay just handed it to the Rams at, at, at certain points, they'll go back and say, man, these were no plays if we're playing our right technique. Well, they narrowly missed out on three different turnovers today. So those could have been game changers right away. The, um, the two missed interceptions towards the end of the first half, which I was yes. actually, I have, to, I have to admit, I was annoyed a bit by that, Mike, because they were all over. Um, our, our wonderful listeners, our wonderful followers on Twitter are, are all over our guys for missing the interception, especially John Johnson on the second one. And it's like, dude, uh, John Johnson was grabbed. He was held on the second yeah. one. He actually grabbed, re, you know, receiver re, reached out and grabbed his arm and pulled it back. I mean, that was offensive pass interference. Should have been called. Wasn't called. That's why John Johnson was complaining to the official. First interception, yeah, you got to make that. You got to make the interception. But, you know, there's a reason why these guys are defensive backs. No offense to you, former defensive back. Um, you want them to make it. You hope they make it. They should make it. But it's not what's going to happen. The fumble later on in the second half, those are luck of the draw. 
You yeah. don't always get to them. The ball yeah. bounced a certain way. Yeah, yeah. And 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 to your point, Derek, this is why it's the NFL. And this is why, you know, when people go, oh, this team is sorry. I don't care if you're an 0-16 team. You got good players on that team. And usually there's a breakdown in the chemistry, the reason why you're not playing well. I mean, we can look at a team like the Cleveland Browns, who had every superstar imaginable last year and still were garbage. You come back this year, guy goes down, and it seemed like it helped their team chemistry. Or whatever. And so team chemistry seems a lot better. They got a run game this year. And now they look like, oh, they can maybe make some noise in the playoffs. I don't think so tomorrow, but we'll see. But at the end of the day, uh, with us, yes, it was one of those games where you couldn't make a mistake when you go into Green Bay, as they would say, the Green Tundra, whatever they would say, Chris Berman style. and beat a team like Green Bay. You know, the mistakes they were able to capitalize or keep drives alive. And again, going back to the time of possession, that that tells a lot of it. There are a couple of things that, you know, where points are being made by a couple of different, couple of different Rams pundits online after the game, and I have to point them out too because I agree with them 100%. Yeah. Throughout this year, Aaron Donald, being who Aaron Donald is, has, in my opinion, made Leonard Floyd better. He made those linebackers all better. He made the secondary better. He made his defensive linemen better. He just did. His impact on the team, in my view, go beyond the numbers. He had 12 and a half sacks this year. There, there were many games this year where he didn't seem to have anything, right? But you saw guys like Leonard Floyd pile the numbers up. Right. Well, look at how this defense looked today without him being him. Yes. If you want evidence of how good... Aaron Donald is and, and what he does for his defense. This Rams defense today, they, by the way, I don't think they were awful. I mean, they, they did a lot to shut down most of the deep game from Green Bay, yep. but the edge wasn't there. Like, they just, Green Bay is just too, so good offensively that Green Bay, even in a crunch where they, where they had to be in a short game, just dink and dunk their, their way around the field. The issues with the Rams' uh, pass rush without Aaron Donald. We're exposed. Aaron Donald is the engine in that front seven. And without him, we saw what happens to this defense today. Well, to you, man, uh, absolutely, DC, because when you look at Aaron Donald, you can tell at the end of the game, a grown man who's played at the level he's played to have tears, not like a tear, but tears as though you may have lost your, your lovely wife or a parent or a baby. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? That tells me a guy in his mind is saying, guys, you knew maybe I'm more banged up than we all let on because he, was, he wasn't really in there a lot today. I needed you guys. We had a thing in baseball. We say, hey, man, if, if, if you grounded out or you flied out with a guy on third, coming back to the dugout do the next person up next batter up you say hey man pick me up pick me up or you would say hey man don't worry i'll pick you up and that's what aaron donald needed today he needed the rest of the dudes to pick him up and to the point you look late in the game he nearly has a sack he grabs aaron donald's shirt and aaron donald's able to kind of escape and make a nice play downfield well, was he able to get away because Aaron didn't have the strength or his ribs hurt and he had kind of just couldn't 
couldn't just finish. You know what I mean? So little things like that, and it turns into a big play, keeps the drive alive. And I want to say, I think they end up scoring on that, that drive. But little things like that, he'll remember like, man, I had a play I could have made. But just seeing the emotion coming out of him, it means something. The game means something to him. And I think, again, it was a time that he was like, guys, we knew what we had to do coming here. And we knew how hard it was to get to the Super Bowl. And look how hard it is to now get back. It's like that window starts closing. And now looking at all the things going forward. You just start thinking like, man, was that the last time that we're really going to have an opportunity to get to the big dance? And so it's a lot. It's a lot to think about. But to your point, they did a lot better than I thought initially uh, got to the playoffs. But, you know, it's sad. You get a guy like Jamal Adams trolling you like, hey, man, see you guys in Cabo. So I get it, man. I've been there. (laughs) Well, I mean. Kind of deserve it. You know, they, they gave a tick to the Seahawks last week. Right. You know, it's, right. It's the, that's the trash talking name of the game. You know, there were a couple of things in this game as well that I felt were noticeable. Jared Goff takes a lot of heat. I felt, I felt Jared Goff was fine. The, the Packers just, you know, they, weren't, they never gave the Rams a chance to, to get in any kind of rhythm. By holding the ball for 36 minutes, you know, we saw some of the issues with pass protection. I don't think that Jared Goff in any kind of way was, was holding the ball way too long. I felt like, you know, he tried to step up in the pocket, try to move. The, the Packer pass rush was there today. I don't have a whole lot I can blame Jared Goff for. Didn't turn the ball over. Uh, had some nice plays. I don't have a whole lot to complain about overall when it comes to the, the offense itself. I mean, a couple of play calls here and then that, that confused me. And you know, a lot of people complain about the Wildcat. But then the Wildcat served him pretty well with that touchdown. So. I just don't see anything other than the fact that a long season cop to the Rams at the wrong time. Your, your big guy on the, on the defense is out. You don't have Cooper Cup there. You have, you have a Andrew Whitworth, who's darn near 40 years old, who's playing on a bad wheel and getting everything he's got. You, you just don't have everything there you want. You have linebacker issues that you were able to cover for much of the year. and. With all that in mind, I'm not, I'm not trying to give the Rams an excuse. It's just that, in the end, Green Bay was a healthier team. They were the better team, and I'm not going to complain about that. You know, if the Rams had been robbed of, you know, a couple touchdowns, some, some bad penalties, and so on and so forth, different story. Heck, the, ga- the game may have been different just off of Aaron Donald getting that stupid penalty he got. Yeah, yeah. You know, again, when you're crying, he's thinking about those types of things. Mm -hmm. I got an unnecessary penalty. I didn't close a sack. You know, it may have been some other plays that we don't know. Maybe he twists the wrong way or something. Uh, But it just was like a lot of emotion. Like, man, we, I trying to put everything into this. And again, the toughest thing is go on the road with high hopes and you just kind of come away and you don't play at the pristine uh, level that they played in, say, the last four or five weeks. You know, I mean, they are turning the ball. They're having a great time. They're getting sacks and everybody's in on it. Fumbles and picks and we're scoring touchdowns on defense. And then you kind of come out today and they drive right down the field. Mm-hmm. Openings, you know, opening series right down the field and 
you end up stopping them and getting three out of it, but they literally stopped themselves. But nevertheless, three points is better than seven. But that puts a mental thing like, wow, guys, they just drove down the field like we weren't even out here. So I think that kind of set the tone for the day. And again, when I looked at a lot of different things, it was like uh, the last play when golf ends up taking that sack and no mean he took it. He did. But the left guard literally lets the guy who's over mm. right over him. He steps out to the left like he's going to block someone else and is like, hey, man, you have a guy over you. Fundamental football says you block the guy over you because that's the quickest threat to the quarterback. I just couldn't figure he went Those to the left. Those issues were there all day, Mike. Yeah. The center went to the right and the mm -hmm. dude just swam him inside. And I'm like, okay, what's a guy supposed to do when you literally don't block somebody? What can you do? Nothing. So it's like, Again, that's fundamental at the end of the game. I don't know how you get that line called messed up when the guy's literally right over the top of you. He wasn't in his gap. He's over the top of you. But for him to just like, oh, I thought the other guy was getting him. I just said, but those are the kind of things you can't have when you got to make a play down the stretch. That's not where you can make it. But to your point, yeah, it was kind of like that all day. And so, again, uh, hats off again to Green Bay. They did what they had to do, and we just uh, weren't hitting on all cylinders a day. And that's what happens in sports always across the board. It is what happens in sports. And, and the Rams now will enter an offseason with a lot of questions, a ton of questions. You see the image of John Johnson balling his eyes at the end of the game today. John Johnson is going to be a free agent. And the Rams right now are estimated to be $21 million over the salary cap. $21 million over the salary cap for next year. So if you want John Johnson back, uh-oh. Okay. Uh, and you have questions on the offensive line. You have questions on at quarterback. There's a lot of folks who don't want to hear that, but there's a lot of folks who want Jared Goff. That's the reason why Jared Goff's name came out this week in relation to Deshaun Watson. There's a reason why his name came up. There are so many question marks, and again, this a lot of this is COVID. The, the salary cap goes up this year by quite a bit, especially there's a 17th game if we don't have COVID. Now, all of a sudden, it's flipped around, and the Rams are bringing forward cap money as well. If they hadn't carried over money, they'd be even worse shape. Right. So, I mean, it is not the, – the Rams have some serious work to do. Now, there's nobody better, Mike. There's nobody better, in my opinion, in the league in working the numbers in the Rams are. They're very good at manipulating contracts. They'll find a way to get down there, but they don't have a whole lot of flexibility. And that leaves them with a dependence on the draft, especially. They got to find players. They, John Johnson's going to... How much do you think John Johnson will make in a year? Make per year off his next deal coming up? Yeah, it's going to be probably a lot more than what the Rams are going to want to pay. Uh, but I think the emergence of uh, Nick Scott and some of the other guys and you know again shout out to my guy Juju uh, who's kind of been in the background I think they may feel like hey we have some good young guys here uh, but are they going to play to the level of John Johnson only time tells with all that but yeah John Johnson's going to want to get paid man he's going to want to get paid and no one's going to blame him for that no no one's going to blame him for that I mean, I can go look up. See, I don't know if uh, Spot Spot Trek sometimes have market values listed for players. Mm -hmm. 
I can run over and see, uh, you know, what they estimate his value is. But John Johnson, I think, is probably done. And he might not be done if COVID doesn't happen, by the way. Uh, yeah, but I mean, you. when you look at a guy, I mean, just look at today's stat. Eight solo tackles. You know what I mean? Eight mm-hmm. solo. That means you, by yourself, you bringing that other guy down. Everybody else, the next one closest is four on a solo. Now, Troy Reader had a total of 13, but he only had three solo. John Johnson had nine, eight solo, nine total. And he's been doing that consistently throughout the year. So, again, he's going to say, look, man, you guys let the guy go last year. He got paid up in Oakland. Hey, man, if y'all want to keep me, pay me. If not, let me go free. Well, I'm free anyway. But mm-hmm. it'll, it'll be interesting to see because, again, without certain uh, advantages of, a, of a extra money in the cap, this is where you got to make those hard decisions. And this is what makes it tough for teams to consistently repeat year in and year out. Because when guys want to go get paid, you have to make decisions on which one of your guys actually get paid when they've tied up a lot of money already with golf, Aaron Donald, uh, Cooper Cup, Jalen Coop, Jalen Ram, you know, Ramsey, you know, Woods. Yes. So. It it is what it is, and and so like you said, they've been very creative over the last number of years of being able to. We think that oh, we're at the end of the road, and then we go, oh no, we're not. <laughs> so uh, again, hopefully they'll be able to to as they say work some magic with those numbers in the back room, and you know maybe you get some guys to say, you know what, yeah, I may be able to get two more million a year or somewhere else, but man, I love it here. And, you know, I'll stay. Hopefully. And in John Johnson's case, John Johnson's coming off a contract where he was paid, I think I just saw it roughly, John Johnson's contract was four years, $3.25 million. Oh, yeah. Are you trying to get paid? Yeah, like, yeah. yeah. His spot, right now, Track has his market value at $8.5 million a year. Oh, easy. So, for sure. For sure. usually they're... That's low ball for them. Usually, player signs are about 10. They generally don't have the cash for it. You're, the guy you're thinking about maybe come and replace him with Taylor Rapp. Taylor Rapp has been gone half the year, and we found out yeah, Taylor I Rapp has some issues yeah. in the box. Yeah, you know? and, and what ended up happening with Taylor, I don't know. I missed all of that. He hurt his knee, remember? I remember he hurt his knee, and then he came back, and then that was what happened again. Yeah. He just re-injured it. I mean, he just never, yeah, he was never really, never, never really yeah. got right, probably. I mean, yeah. so the, um, for Taylor Rapp, he, he was, I think the Rams had drafted him to be alongside John Johnson. Yes. And, yes. But they, they had top, they had drafted Tyler Burgess as well, and Burgess played pretty well. Nick Scott saw some playing time in there. Mm-hmm. But the Rams are great at developing these, these guys in the back end of the draft. Maybe they feel comfortable moving on. I don't. Yeah, at least my eyes. If they don't, my eyes usually don't fool me. But Nick Scott brings some lumber, and so I mm-hmm. was seeing him like, "Who? Oh, that's Nick Scott. Okay, I'll see you, Nick." But he brings some lumber, so that's what I'm saying. They may feel like we have a guy who can and step up and do what we need to do. But to your point, you know, if if uh, the DC now moves on somewhere else for whatever reason, I don't think he will. I think he's a year or two away. But you just never know. 
uh, because right now the it seems to be the uh, for lack of a better term, the roadmap is hey, get the young hot guy and let's go, let's try it out. It's it, look, it worked in Green Bay. Ooh, we're gonna get Robert Solid the Jets, which is gonna be interesting. But it seems to be now, let's get the hot guy, hot new guy, or let's double back down on someone like Urban Meyer, who I think took a page out of the John Gruden book of, I'm going to make them think that they're missing me and they'll come calling and want to just give me whatever. But yeah, it'll, it's going to be interesting, man. I can't wait for us to get into it, you know, a lot more in the coming weeks and months, uh, you know, obviously after the the Super Bowl plays out and, and after we get closer to the the draft, we'll definitely be able to to see a little bit more of, of probably what direction they're trying to go in. Well, a couple of other notes here too. Um, Jordan Rodriguez from the Athletic. Well, I think, again, we got to give this some people who do a good job need to, need, to, need to hear it. They need to get it. Jordan Rodriguez from the Athletic or the Rams this year did a fantastic job. Fantastic job. And the reason why I want to make a point of saying that is because we have notoriously been hard on journalists who do a crappy job <laughs> covering the Rams. Yeah, yeah. So, shout out to him. Shout, well, this is a female, too. Yeah. Female. Great job, Jordan. I'm sorry, yes. Um, here we go. Uh, she noted today from the, from the press conference, quoting Jared Goff, my job is to win the game. I thought I did some good things out there, but my job is to win the game. There are no moral victories, especially in the playoffs. Agree. Good. Let's see what you're doing, dude. Agreed. Um, this quote, Eric Williams from Sports Illustrated caught this. This is Sean McVay on Jared Goff's performance. He saw a guy that stepped in and did what he could. He made some good plays. He did a good job today. Asking, asked if Goff is quarterback moving forward. Yes, he's the quarterback right now. Hmm. Right now. Hmm. Wouldn't you, I mean, if you, if, if you just tell me if I'm overthinking this a little bit, but if you, if this is your quarterback of the future, wouldn't you say that? Like, he's our quarterback for the future, for our future. Yeah, but apparently, you know, your main man or my main man, Stephen A. Smith, is. Got a little rumor going out from a couple days ago that that the rumor is they're trying to package a deal, uh, Jared Goff for uh, the Texans quarterback, uh, Young Watson, Deshaun Watson. Yeah. yeah, and that's in its its own self has been asked to me. Here's the problem though, that and we'll, we'll get deeper on it, but right, Jared Goff's salary cap hit next year is sixty five million in terms of dead money. He's got a $34 million cap hit, but his dead cap is 65. Yeah, but does that matter? Go ahead. Go ahead. You you remember last year, you and I, but I swore up and down. There was no way the Rams moved Brandon Cooks. There's no way the Rams moved Todd Gurley. They're not going to take the dead cap hit. Well... There is a way to take the dead cap hit. Yeah. Okay. There is a way to take it and to break it up. The Rams can take a dead cap hit of 
says, well, this is how they do it, okay? Well, A, they got to trade them. They have to trade them. They can try and pull a stunt for pre-June 1st. They would save $12 million, but their dead cap hit would be $22 million if it's a trade pre-June 1st. Mm-hmm. So there'll be $10 million in the red for trying for having free money to to move. Okay. However, here we go. If they can hold off and wait till after June 1st, which is hard because the draft comes before that. Right. They're entering the new league year and their dead cap hit will be 6.8 million. They would have a 15.4 million dead cap hit for in 2022, but they would have an overall of 27.8 million in cap savings. The cap number the Rams are at right now are 21 over. If they trade him, they get that cap hit down quite a bit. Who could, but they got to find someone to take him. Right. That well, that's contract. the thing. You know, if, if you're, let's just stick with the Texans, I mean, you would be able to hopefully kind of trade one for one and, and work those numbers in a way that can work out for both franchises. But to your point, you know, with a lower cap overall, and then, you know, do the Texans, I mean, why would you, obviously, uh, Deshaun Jackson. Is is kind of like James Harden at this point. He's not going to be Watson. there. I mean, De- Deshaun Watson, uh, and he's just going to probably be able to force his way out. But I think that started last year when they got rid of his number one guy, and then just other stuff. So, but the thing is, if you're the Texans, you have to believe that Jared Goff can elevate your franchise, right? Well, he, Jared Goff would probably be a better fit for what the Texans are trying to do. Um, they are more of a downfield team. They already have Brandon Cooks there. They, True. Good point. He, he won't, he won't, let's just be honest. Uh, Watson is more, a much more intense person than a Jared Goff will be. So um, that's something the Rams probably need right now is a more of an intense quarterback. I would say, and I think we will definitely talk about more, but the thing is, is, you know, Watson's under a new contract too. And his dead cap hit is $67 million next year. 21, um, yeah, a $21 million dead cap if you trade him before and a uh, 5.4 and 16.2 dead cap if you trade him after. So both teams have to work that out if they even want to entertain the swap. And I think Jared Goff will probably have to come with draft picks too, quite frankly. Oh, yeah, they're definitely going to get some draft picks. Now, let me, let me just throw this out at you, DC. Uh, and again, obviously, we don't want to get too far ahead of things. But if they have the New England, former New England Patriots executive, Nick Casario, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, what type of offense did New England typically run? The kind of offense that Jared Goff would do well in. That he would probably excel in. You know what I mean? So to your point, you get a guy in who's like, hey, we already got 
actually, he would probably be a lot better than Tom Brady. I mean, they're not going to come out and say that. He got, you know, a little taller, a little bit maybe more mobile, maybe have a little bit bigger arm. Man, we should be able to just tear it up. Again, you got Brandon Cooks who's played with him. Uh, and you do have, you know, a few good pieces, but we all know when you get new GM, new coaches, it don't matter who's been there. And uh, obviously Deshaun Watson and JJ Watt, they're premier players in the league. Any team would want to have them, mm-hmm. but you also want a guy. And again, what's the mentality going to be? It's going to be the old Patriot way. Hey man, we come here. We put our hard hats on and we just go to work. We don't cry to the media. We don't do all that. We don't go out here and shoot commercials and do all the other stuff that that may come with some of the guys wanting to do some things. We like to do things buttoned up. So that's going to come with it. And you got to assume Nick Casario is going to bring in someone if he has that call that's going to be more of, as they say, the Patriot way, whatever that is. Well, I mean, I, I just think that in that respect, it's a better, I think it's a win-win trade. And I, I, don't, I don't like talking about too much on the day the Rams are out. I know, it's just it's kind um, of weird, right? But it's been obvious all year that Goff and, and McVay have not been on the same page. Yeah, man, and I looked again today, I don't know if you caught that, when the, on that first time out, Jarrett walked over there. He said something. He turned right around and walked away. And I go, okay, that's weird. You call a timeout, coach, and your quarterback comes over, looks like he says a word or two, and turns right around and walks back to the huddle. I'm like, mm-hmm. okay, I don't know. <laughs> Those guys just don't seem like they're on the same page. And, and I think that relationship is vital. You have the offensive mind like Sean McVay, and you have your quarterback who needs to be everything. And we can't forget that Jared Goff was never really Sean McVay's guy. It's That's true. a credit to both men that they have found success with each other over the years. But, you know, we don't know the relationship. We don't, there was so much speculation surrounding Jared Goff in terms of yes. Jared Goff, what kind of, what kind of preparation has he actually done into being that guy? What has he done game in and game out to be better every year? We've questioned that. We've hammered him for it because there's times when he has looked like he's not put that work in. And maybe, just maybe, a move somewhere else will light a, thunder, uh, light a fire under him. Maybe he, he, it's, it's the relationship. Who knows? But also could, you know, for the Rams, I honestly believe if, the, if Deshaun Watson is their quarterback this year, this offense is much, much more explosive. Yeah, I mean... <laughs> I think that's obvious. Uh, but, you know, the thing to your point, maybe McVay just likes a guy that's more of a go-getter type. You know what I mean? He's a high-energy guy. You know what I mean? And if he's like, hey, man, look at it. And you look at your quarterback and he just doesn't really have any emotion. Uh, but, you know, I haven't been as easy on Jared, but I got to take my hat off. I, I was definitely surprised for him. Again, this guy is not even really two weeks away from surgery and it's not just surgery. You actually got pins in your thumb. I told you mm-hmm. about the pins I had in my thumb and you couldn't even bend, bend your thumb over. So for me to have pins where he has them and to be able to go out there and throw and he looked like he showed some grimacing off that last sack. But at the same time, 
He went out and played four quarters and he didn't do anything to, to lose the game. And, and he played pretty good today in spite of everything, weather, on the road, not as much of a clean pocket that he probably needed to have on a day like today. So hats off to Jared Goff, man. He, he showed me that, you know, he has a little bit more in him than maybe he, you know, shows emotionally. And again, uh, sometimes that can be looks like it's a negative. But, you know, again, the right situation and that situation looks totally different. Well, I don't I don't know. They even at this point. I don't know what Jared Goff has to do. To win over the fans, because they've been souring him so much in the last two years, he's got a tall mountain to climb there. Basically, in my view, because he's he, his performance since 2018 has gone more and more inconsistent. You don't know what to expect from the guy. And because he's not a fiery guy, yeah, you don't have anything that really draws you to him. He's quiet, doesn't say much. You know, he, he is the California kid in some ways. That's a good thing. But football fans also want the fire. And his fire, he may have it, but he's not showing it outwardly. And... You know, football fans and and teams and teammates need to see that. Well, that's true, oh, but man. just remember, you know, the guy is from a place called Novato, California. Okay, it's it's a little enclave in the upper northern California. So Jared Golf, in all intents and purposes, is a small town guy. So that may be his demeanor. Hey, man, you know, maybe we only had one or two grocery stores in town. Uh, but at the end of the day, you're playing in a big market, L.A. There's a lot of hype that goes with that. But I don't know that he got to worry about winning over fans. He's not worried about that, I wouldn't think. I wouldn't be. You're worried about winning over those guys you're in the locker room with. If they trust you and you trust them, you have something. The fans, you know, they're going to boo you and they're going to clap when you will, boo you when you're not. But you could kind of care less because at the end of the day, I shouldn't say you care less, but they're going to have less of effect than your teammates will. Do they trust him? Yes. And that's what that's the big question. But, you know, body language, like we talked last year, it, it just says a lot. That's that's what I want to know. Do they do they do they trust him? And by the way, Sean McVay. Does deserve some criticism as well. Oh, for, for sure. For for Jared Goff. He has not put Jared Goff at times in position to be successful. And that's on him. And he, he, he's got to own that. And sometimes I feel like, you know, he's too busy apologizing for the overall loss instead of taking time to actually fix the problem that's there between him and his quarterback. I mean. <laughs> Come on, Derek. Come on. Tell me if I'm I'm going to pass this plate. I'm going to pass the plate. I mean, tell me if I'm wrong, though. No, you're right. Because think about it. They come out and. Again, you almost go, okay, here we go. Why are we going back to all this predictive? We're going to throw this tunnel screen. The corner just comes up and makes it just a big hit. It's like, yeah, they don't even got a guy blocking in front. And it's not even a play that they don't run every time they like, okay, this is going to be our go-to play. And every time, corners on other teams just come up and make a big hit for a two-yard loss. And everybody's looking like, okay, now it's third and 12. It's like, man. Well, come on, McVay, give the guy a rollout. Do something a little bit different where, again, if they're getting to him in the pocket, you have to do something. 
to give him a little time to give him more than one option of, hey, I just got to take this sack. So well, here, here's you're, you're right. Like, here's something with that, too. Why were the Rams more willing to go to the Wildcat than throw deep for play? Did Again, they go deep in this game at all? Right. <laughs> but you're going to go to the Wildcat? I mean, which I'm, I, I'm, I'm actually okay with it. I know some people criticize the Rams going to the, going the Wildcat. I'm like, your season's on the line. Throw the kitchen sink at them. Go do what you got to do. But with that in mind, you see them coming at your quarterback. You see them basically really exposing the middle of that offensive line. Go deep. Even if you overthrow the guy, give them something to think about on another play. Let them know you're not going to sit back and, and let them collapse the defense in on you. And he didn't do it. So... That's frustrating to me. Is like anybody with a, a semi-functional brain, not even not even a fully functional brain, knows you gotta go deep at least once or twice a game just to keep a defense honest. And Sean McVay knows that. So why does he still have that tendency to lock it down and rely on the short? Yeah, it's so interesting because again, the coach on their team wasn't he on our team? The coach in San Francisco's weren't they buddies at the the Redskins? Uh It's like, come on, Sean, how come all these guys that know you are able to to give you the business? You know what I mean? And so uh, they cut away at the at the 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 talk show when they were doing the halftime, and they were going like, yeah, you know, two years ago, if you had Sean McVay and and coach in the same room who would you to pick you would have never thought it would be this guy and everybody they kind of laughed and it's like okay yeah we keep giving sean mcveigh a lot of love of the wonder kid and he's creative and this and that but it seems like the guys he hung out with are more creative so is he a guy who does like some of the guys do does he feel pressure and he presses and now he's calling a whole different game than what the game is saying. Hey, this is where I need to make this change up or make that, you know, I don't know, but it just seems like something gets short circuited when it's like, okay, we got to have coach making these good play calls. But when I'm sitting here on my couch without any film and I go, man, here we come with that play again. And sure enough, it's like, come on, man. If, if I can sit here on the couch, no film, I know those other guys have those things down pat in the scout report. This is what they're going to do out of this formation, mm-hmm. down the distance, so on and so forth. So, yeah, man, it's, it's interesting that uh, Coach McVay, man, I, I think he's going to start getting some heat because it's like you can't keep coming back to the same old thing like that. Well, but in fairness, if we're going to think this thing out critically. Let's do it. You got to look at who did. Who, who did Matt LaFleur has his, have as his quarterback this year? One That's of the best true. in the game. <laughs> One Probably of the best. Special Hall of Famer. Oh, you no know, doubt. Aaron Rodgers. So, no doubt. Yeah. I mean, he's, he's probably a Hall of Famer. And to that point, he probably helped him a lot to be able to be what is now looking like a super duper coach. Yeah. Sure. And, and also, think of the contrast. Aaron Rodgers is a person who will challenge his head coach in a very intelligent way. He'll, he'll force his coach. That's what really yeah. buried Mike McCarthy. 
Jared yeah. Rod- Aaron Rodgers will will keep challenging you as a coach in in a in a way that will force you to really up the ante. Does Jared Goff do the same for Sean McVay? Matter of fact, when it comes to Sean McVay, does, any, does Sean McVay have anybody right now on his staff or in his life who challenges him in terms of creative thinking when it comes to play calling? And the answer is, I don't know. I know what we've all seen what Sean McVay has. And before anybody comes at us about hammering Sean McVay, let's, let's put this out there. Sean McVay is the first coach since John Robinson to post four consecutive winning seasons for the Rams franchise. This man has done so much to turn the culture around for the Rams, to turn around um, the, the future of this franchise. He's also raised the bar. And he's also only 34 years old. He's not perfect. He's not, he's not going to be the guy who is the finished product of a head coach probably ever. And you should never stop growing. So yeah, he's going to be open to criticism because he's human. He's 34. For, for context, Mike, how old was Bill Belichick when he took over as the Browns head coach? Do you remember? Oh, he was in his 30s. How old? Give it a shot. Uh, uh, 38? You're so close. 39 years old. Yeah. He Bill was Belichick was 39. Bill Belichick was hated in Cleveland. Talk to yeah. Frank Stams. We have an interview <laughs> with him a few years back. Yeah. Frank Stams <laughs> basically let the cat out of the bag about how, how much he loved being in L.A. compared to how much he played in, loved playing in Cleveland was because the, the players there were just stabbing Bill Belichick in the back. And you know, in order the reason that happens is because you you have to win over your players. And Bill Belichick, as a head coach, his his learning ground was the Cleveland Browns. And he's never been a warm and fuzzy guy, by the way. Never. But his learning ground was the Cleveland Browns. By the time he takes over the Patriots, he is the head coach who goes on to win six Super Bowls. Well, and, and that's what happened. Yeah, he has to grow. And, you know, that's what's a little bit, uh, uh, as they say, a, a blessing and a curse. Yeah, young as hell coach when he was at that time and does extremely well early on. Well, you set the bar kind of so high. There's no really anywhere to go almost except down, no matter how consistent it is, you know. How do you, oh, I came in one year, turned the team around, they won more games and this and that. We did more of this. Our offense was ranked up in the top and da-da-da. And then it becomes, oh, shoot, this is easy. We're going to do this every year. And again, I got to remind myself at the end of the day, you're playing against other teams that have guys that want to win as well. And once you have got to the mountaintop, the goal for every other team is we're going to beat them to at least make our season look like it's something. So you have that. And again, he hasn't been able to, I mean, there's been some turnover uh, and some turmoil that I think they've been able to really keep under wraps, but you just see that something just doesn't seem, you know, all the way right. And so 
you know, I, I, I thought the whole thing when you're just thinking, I was thinking about Wade Phillips and yeah, Wade was, but I also know Sean McVay wasn't going to walk into the defensive room and try to tell Wade anything. Wade was like, mm-hmm. young buck. Let, let me tell you, I've been at this longer than you've been alive. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I just think that, you know, on one hand, we have this expectation that this guy is automatically going to get everything right right now because he won a lot and did a lot, changed a lot of culture things. Uh, like I said, I met him. I, I fell in love with Coach McVay because he just had that energy. And I'm going, okay. I thought he was just a youngster and got a lucky, but no, this guy, there's something about him. So I get it, but there goes the territory when you, when you step into those realms, the, the expectations don't get lower. They're always going to be higher. And, you know, that's the key thing is, is the bar is raised. The bar is raised and now you've got to meet the bar. The Rams are expected to contend every year now. And that is not going to change when your nucleus involves guys like Jalen Ramsey, Aaron Donald, etc. You have a, a nice, strong nucleus. Now, what are you going to do with it? So, by the way, before we go, is, we've been here for a while. Do we answer some questions here? From listeners, Eric Dreyer at edreyer4356. He did ask about McVeigh's comments. Well, we just gave you that. Okay, so I just want to acknowledge you and let you know we, we did answer it. Um, Reggie Khan Jr. at uh, it's a, at Icon I King asked the position to address the offseason. Well, they're going to have to address safety one way or the other. Um, the offensive line is going to need a little bit of work. I'm not sure how much, but we saw tonight there's some issues there. Um, they were missing David Edwards, and he might just be the solution. Linebacker, obviously. Linebacker is a big one. In my view. Uh, what do you say? Yeah, I agree. I mean, it, it was some porous things, and but I think we talked about this even when uh, Big Wit was coming back. You know, our position was, hey man, you got a savvy veteran; he's got to be in there. And I'm like, yeah, that's true. Uh, but at the same time, you've kind of been doing some good without him, and so. And then it's got to take some time getting back, even though it shouldn't. It wouldn't seem like it, t- it would take time for, you know, a veteran coming back to a spot for the dynamics. But then, you know, you get a guy banged up, you get another guy in there, you switch another guy over there. And mm-hmm. so a, lo- a lot of those things just kind of throw some things out of sync. And again, that's that's the big thing. I, I do want to point this out. We said at the beginning of the year that or I said. Given this year, I would believe most teams would get a pass just because of the environment. <laughs> that obviously hasn't been the case because coaches are getting let go, players are getting shown the door, and it's been a lot of change, you know. So I think overall, how the Rams handled themselves, you know, starting out a little sluggish on defense and then coming on strong. Offense has shown that it can do some good things when it's hitting on the right cylinders. Uh, But it just seemed like the whole year a little bit has been out of sync. You know, I look at a guy like Josh Reynolds. Seems like a good player, but then it's like, okay, Josh, it's like sometimes plays you should make, you don't make. I don't know, man. It just, it'll be interesting to see. Uh, But I did like my boy 
Mr. Jefferson came in and did his thing. Hmm. Yeah, I would love to see Jefferson do his thing. And he may be that guy next year, by the way. Um, he may be. So you're an uh, L.A. fan at EZAV11. Will Brandon Staley be back? Oh, I think he will. I, th- I think teams will be forced to hire him after one year as a coordinator. I think that he'll be forced to leave after one year as a coordinator. you got a lot more to go. Don't do it, dude. Don't do it. Yeah, don't um, do it. I mean, and especially taking over these teams that are left that need coaches have, have more issues than the Rams do. You want to find the right job for you. Yeah, uh, there's right. nothing out there I'd want right now. Let's see. Uh, Corey Roberts at Corey Carr 77 did, again, he notes too, McVeigh didn't sound confident in Goff and his presser. Did you notice that? Yes, we did. Uh, Tim Koska at Tim Koska 1. Why the timeout? The seconds left in the half. Didn't need it. Left time the clock. Led to Packers points. I uh, don't know. That's a good question. He'd ask the coach about that one. Uh, at GK underscore Dallas. What is the plan at linebacker? Well. <laughs> it's got to be draft. And you've got the problem of Leonard Floyd. Leonard Floyd is going to, is, you know, what do you do with him there? He's, you know, his, his contract is, is interesting. So we'll see. What do you think? Yeah, I agree. I mean, we, we, we knew going into it that the linebacker play was going to maybe be the most glaring part of the defense that we were going to definitely have to look at with so much change. Uh, I think we we played a little bit better down the stretch. Uh, I think Reader has shown that he can play, you know, in the middle. Is he the number one guy? Uh, maybe not, but efficient. Uh, Leonard Floyd came on strong these last couple weeks. But again, it's, it's not as easy to, again, come from another team, come into a new system, come to a new place. It's just not as easy as. People think just because you were dialing it up somewhere else doesn't necessarily mean you're going to dial it up somewhere else at the new place. You know, there's just a lot of things. And, you know, I know just being in the L.A. area, you got to get used to traffic that you've never been around before. Probably just that alone to be like, man, it takes me an hour to go like 15 minutes down the road. What kind of place is this, you know? So though the Los Angeles area has some some great things and, and where the facility is in the Thousand Oaks area, great place to live. I lived there for 18 plus years. And so, yeah, great place in those areas, but you still have those surrounding things. So my point is when you put all these things together, transition to a new place, new team, new surroundings, new teammates, new scheme. Uh, sometimes it takes a little bit longer, but it looks like he he came on strong down the end. But again, these are things that they're the Rams are going to have to figure out here in the next uh, four to five months. And it's going to be it's going to be a train wreck, and a lot of it has to do with the results from COVID. These Howard cap is not going to be what we thought it was. I'm hoping the NFL does something with that. A lot of teams will be basically punished for paying their players. <laughs> I mean, let's put that out there. So hopefully there's some kind of compromise there. Uh, let's see here. From Sounds Good Terrence at Sounds Terrence. Do y'all add a more serviceable 
backup quarterback to compete in the offseason. Um, I think they got the guy I need. Yeah, I think they have a, a decent backup, but I I think what the 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 uh the person who's uh what was his name? John Wolford? No, the the person asking a question. Oh, oh yeah. It is. Sounds good, Terrence. At sounds Terrence. Yeah, so I think what he's saying is, as we talked about a couple of weeks ago, yeah, we think Wolford can be a guy that can play, but is he necessarily a guy Jared going to look at and go, is he really taking my spot, guys? You know, and that's why I think he was back in there, you know, this week and those types of things. So uh, it, it'll be interesting to see uh, how things play out because I think, you know, if they were to keep Blake Bortles in, in camp on a team, I think you then maybe have someone that can probably push him a little bit more than, than Wolford would. I don't know. I mean, if Bortles was the guy, he, he wouldn't have been, he wouldn't have been <laughs> let go. I mean, they, they got anybody they bring in, they're going to have to pay if they're worth their salt. True. But the reason why I say Bortles, I think last year they let him go because they didn't really want it to be a controversy. So, you kind of let a guy go. You go with a, a Wolford who everybody will say, well, yeah, he's a definite backup guy until they actually saw him play and they'll go, oh, okay, this guy got some moxie about him. But again, is that a one, two game phenomenon or is that something he could carry on throughout a whole season? I don't know. And so these are the things, you know, Les Sneed and and Mr. Demoff, they're going to have to answer those kinds of questions in this offseason. And I, I think we'll, we'll know pretty quick because it, it seems if you take McVeigh's body language and what he said in the presser, it almost seemed like, man, I'm, you know, I'm over it. That's the kind of feeling I just get right now. Maybe I'm a little more emotional because, you know, I know what it's like to be right there and be close enough to go on to the big one, to be one more game and you're now in the big dance. So, you know, it's a lot of emotions riding right now. People take some time off and just, you know, clear their heads. And again, once you go back and look at the tape, you might see something totally different. We'll see. It's time for us to go, folks. We've been here for a while. Right? Oh. We went a little bit over an hour today, which is good we had a nice little short podcast before you can find us on twitter at talk Rams. you can find us on facebook at rams talk or the rams talk room for the group find me on twitter at dc Paula and mike you're still at one duke 23 is that correct i am one duke 23 there you go that's where you can find us we'll see you midweek as we begin to do our post-mortem on the 2020 rams and again looking forward to 2021 until then we're out of here and have a great one have a good one. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. 
relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime.